0: Hey, and welcome to the Entrepreneur's Ecosystem Podcast, where we aim to help you, the big-hearted change maker with a bold vision, to build a business that gives you butterflies and a life that makes you want to high-five yourself. How? By addressing the interconnected nature of all that you do. From marketing to mindset and everything in between, we believe your business is more ecosystem than monoculture and that when it comes to creating sustainable success, it's all connected and there is no one size fits all formula. Join us for conversations that embrace nuance, elevate the importance of empathy and address the diverse and unique strengths that enable entrepreneurs to not just make money, but to make real, lasting, positive change in a regenerative and revolutionary way. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. I am truly excited to get to chat with Dylan Redekop. Correct. Ah, yes. Well done. (laughs) So let me tell you a little bit about our guest today. Dylan just like yours truly and Don as well, lives on the West Coast of Canada with his wife and kids, where he works as a marketer by day and newsletter publisher by night. He's been writing and publishing the Growth Currency newsletter since January 2021 with 100 published published editions. I think it's more than that now, right?
1: 105 or so I think 105
0: of his room. weekly newsletter while earning over $10,000 in 2022 alone in newsletter ad and affiliate revenue mm-hmm. when he's not working or publishing Dylan enjoys spending time with his family running playing guitar adequately mm-hmm. and losing at fantasy football
1: yeah I love every that year <laughs> so good
0: thank you for joining us Dylan
1: uh, I am truly excited to be here um, so thank you for having me it's a it's a pleasure and an honor.
0: I want to just share a little bit of backstory of how we connected and yeah. why I'm so obsessed with newsletters right now I feel like I've, I've, I've been obsessed for some time but that obsession is now on steroids so <laughs> So Dylan and I connected because I was on his newsletter list and I don't remember how I how I found you, but your newsletter is so meta and always full of such incredible resources on how to start and grow a newsletter, which became hyper pertinent and relevant for me because I just started as the editor-in-chief, which sounds so fancy. I'm obsessed with this title as well. Um, For a new newsletter that has yet to launch for a really massive brand that has like millions of followers, already has hundreds of thousands of subscribers. And I'm in charge of the strategy, the content, everything behind this new newsletter. So I really... Really learned so much from following you, Dylan, and your newsletter. And then we got to chat and have a one on one session. And Mm -hmm. I have yet to, I want to send you a testimonial or something to let you know how helpful what you shared with me has been. And now we get to chat on our podcast. So just extra excited.
1: I love it. I love it. Yeah, it was good. It was a great chat. And you know, you helped me as well with, uh, with some quiz ideas too, so it was a uh, it was a good mutually beneficial conversation. So I love chat newsletters anyway, so I would have done it the one way no matter what.
0: Amazing, yeah. yeah I mean, we have a lot to talk about.
1: <laughs> yeah. which we start. I mean,
0: this is a big topic, <laughs> and I know that our listeners are interested in newsletters and probably have a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. So I'd love to kick it off with why our newsletters. So hot right now.
1: Mm, it's a great question, and I think to me it just comes down to the fact that the access to the software has been completely democratized. Anybody essentially who has um, an internet access and a, a email address can start a newsletter. So um, platforms like Substack, Review, Rest in Peace, the former you know Twitter former uh, <laughs> newsletter platform. And uh, Beehive, which is another newsletter platform that's recently kind of been shooting up among um, the ranks. So all these platforms have made it super easy for people to create an account. And within like, you know, 15, 20, 30 minutes, however long you want to take to set up your account, you can be starting to publish a newsletter. And the cool thing with it is you share it you share your link, people subscribe. You don't have to create your own landing page or anything. So I think really the the popularity of newsletters is um, one fold that it's just the access and the ability to do has been completely democratized, uh, Mm -hmm. which is awesome. And I think the other reason is because people are also seeing um, both the success that a lot of people are having publishing newsletters, the money that people are, you know, some people are really making, um, which is quite a bit in some cases over millions of dollars in just subscriptions and ad revenue. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think also because they see the, the challenges of growing an engaged audience on just social media platforms alone and, you know, kind of quote unquote or owning that audience, um, as opposed to owning the distribution of an email list. Mm-hmm. So I think there's, there's a few reasons why it's become so popular and yeah, I, I don't know if that really answers your question, but that's really why I see the, the popularity has like just exploded since you know pandemic days, I'd say early onset pandemic days of 2020, uh, when everybody was stuck inside on their computers.
2: I think that's really interesting, and um, I know we're really going to be talking about like newsletters versus or not talking about newsletters versus email marketing this whole chat, but I I am so interested in two things. One is like as a conversion copywriter, I have in my head every email should have one big idea and one call to action. And I would love to know your thoughts around um how that works since email newsletters are not that at all and and yet are arriving in that same same ecosystem, right? It's yeah. in your inbox. And yeah, what you're what you would say the difference is between Email
1: marketing and email newsletters. Okay, very, very cool. So there's a few thoughts on that. One one of the big ones that was shared with me that I thought really summed it up really nicely is uh, email newsletters um, provide value to an audience and email marketing extracts value mm-hmm. from an audience. So where one, you're providing free content, useful guides, resources, et cetera. Think of it really as like a, a content content vehicle, right? It might not be a podcast or YouTube or, or even a blog post, but it's a form of content and email newsletter. Whereas email marketing is definitely more when you're having promotions selling, you know, doing launches for projects or um, courses or new products and, and just, you know, sharing updates like that with your product. So I, there's definitely more of a kind of conversion copywriter element to email marketing where you want to make sure you get the open so you use really kind of not clickbaity but really kind of hooky uh subject lines and that sort of thing to get people to open. So with newsletters you can incorporate some of those elements for sure, right? Cuz not every newsletter is just going to be an essay about, you know, an interesting idea and then that just that's the end. Often you'd you'd want to make a a reader Take an action in some way, whether it's to click through to your website to read an article, or um, to sign up for something, or potentially even to sell them something. But often, a newsletter is more of—I see it as more of like a a content delivery mechanism or strategy, or a content marketing strategy, even if you will.
2: Cool. From my background uh, as a yoga studio owner, and um, also like uh, just receiving lots of emails from mm-hmm. from. And brands, like personal brands, they're sending out newsletters and it seems like they actually are trying to like sell everything this month <laughs> in, in that one newsletter, right? So that's a really neat differentiation uh, around, around the value versus like, actually at like the extraction I mean uh like Shanti and I are into like regenerative marketing practices so we would our emails to also be like providing value and like you know fertilizing the soil um mm-hmm. as it were but yeah so is there a difference do you think from like a, a physical business that has a bunch of stuff happening this month and wants to let you know what's going on versus uh say like a personal brand and what their newsletter might seem like or or mm. what they're trying to do.
1: I think the the approach might be slightly different. A physical business can still provide interesting resources, articles, helpful guides in a newsletter format that also might give updates on the business or on the industry, you know, of course depending on what it is. That can totally be done in a newsletter. Like uh, a company I work for, we do a monthly newsletter, and often it's updates from the business, um, you know, events that are happening, things that are happening locally, as well as any promotions we might have going on. But also just like some tips and tricks around the certain um, industry that we work in. So, so you can definitely leverage both. And then once in a while, we'll send off actual promotional emails that are kind of outside of the kind of standard. Monthly newsletter rhythm, they'd be more like a uh, one-off. Oh, we've got a great promotion, seven-day promotion. Here's the details, and then it's much more focused on kind of that email marketing, conversion, copywriting style of of talking. So there's definitely a few ways to go about it in terms of a personal brand. I think it is again depending on what you're building a personal brand for. Uh, mm-hmm. If you are, if you're like a service provider, if you're coaching or you're doing freelance work, obviously your end goal needs to be held in mind when you're creating your newsletter so that you're not kind of just sending out maybe random updates. You have kind of an end goal, you know, eventually you want to prime people to buy something from you. Um, and that might not always be the case, but usually I think I I've said before that, you know, the point of a newsletter is inevitably to bring in revenue in one way or another, whether directly with like subscriptions or um, media sponsorships, advertising, that sort of thing, um, or affiliates, or indirectly through um, getting people over to your website, um, getting them into some kind of marketing funnel as well, in terms of um buying your services or signing up for maybe a free workshop and you know, getting them in that way as well. Cool. Thank yeah. you. No problem.
0: Yeah, actually, Don. I read an email from one of your past clients this last week. Oh really? The newsletter. And yeah. it was doing exactly what you just said. It was it was structured like a newsletter, but it was only pointing to like the ways that you could work with her, her different programs, her different courses, mm-hmm. her different articles, and it was it was very like her stuff focused, so it didn't have that feeling that you get from a newsletter that is like designed to blow your mind mm-hmm. and give you solid insights. And it didn't feel like that at all, mm-hmm. um, but I've seen other brands pull it off beautifully like seed, which is a probiotic supplement. And they have this newsletter that I think really balances sharing value and ideas and interesting articles and promoting their actual product. So I think, yeah, yeah, there's, you're sort of walking a fine line. And I think newsletters are so especially interesting because you can generate pretty outlandish amounts of money Mm. just from people being on your newsletter And brands that want to partner with you, that you align with Mm -hmm. and affiliate links. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, to me, a big differentiator between this form of content and say, posting regularly to a blog or even podcasting. Like Mm -hmm. in my mind, it takes a lot more to get a podcast to a place where you can start making pretty decent money from it Mm -hmm. than a newsletter. Maybe that's my bias because I think writing is a lot easier than talking. But (laughs) but, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty interesting. I wanted to ask you, Dylan, like what are some of the most impressive case studies you've seen lately from Mm. brands or personal brands that have started and grown a newsletter and made it
1: profitable. Mm. Ooh, that is a great question. So there's a few there's a few that come to mind right away. and some of them I don't even think have monetized really yet, but I know that it's like they can and will very soon just because of the weight of growth, the rate of growth trajectory they're on, and how often I see them mentioned in the newsletter circles. So the first one, the very first one that comes to mind is kind of an, a bit of the an OG. To some degree of the newsletter world and his name is josh Spector. he's at j specter on twitter and i came across him a couple of years ago when i was uh doing the ship 30 for 30 program uh, with uh dickie bush um and he had recommended following josh and so i started to and josh had a really interesting concept where he sent out a weekly newsletter and you could opt into a daily newsletter but it was it was it was a lot for a lot of people like daily newsletters from somebody is, is quite frequent, but he had a weekly newsletter, which shared six curated links. Usually one of his own links was um, in there as well about helping creative entrepreneurs grow and monetize their businesses essentially. And he always had an ad at the bottom, but his ads were very unique in that it was, it didn't tell you what the ad, what the sponsor was or the advertiser was. It said um, essentially it was like, if you want to grow your email list, then you'll definitely want to check this out. And then he just he'd just add a link to check this out. And so you're like, well, I want to grow my email list, so I'm gonna click on that link. And so what he found was he was getting a lot of clicks on his links and pretty good conversions. Because once people get over to um, the advertiser site, if they do a good job with their landing page, then you know you're you're more likely to get the conversions too. And so he was charging, I think, a hundred bucks a pop. And he had about a 19, 18, 19,000 person subscriber list to his emails. And so for a hundred dollars, I was like, that sounds like a really good bargain to, to advertise in his newsletter. So I even advertised my newsletter in his. Mm. Um, and, and I think I got about 50 subscribers for a hundred dollars, which was cool. a pretty good ROI. Since then, he has now gone full uh, six days a week, Monday through Friday, plus a Sunday edition. He has sponsors for... Just about every edition, um, and he's upped his rates to three hundred fifty dollars per send. And so he is making. Um, I'm not going to do public math, um, but <laughs> but he is making. I know back at the end of 2021 or around the beginning of 2022, he published an article saying how my newsletter makes you know forty eight thousand dollars a year in ads alone, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So he's somebody who's like a solo newsletter publisher i think he's got a virtual assistant that helps him a bit but really it's just him creating the content managing um a lot of the the back end stuff and he's making what some people consider a pretty good you know living wage just publishing a newsletter with the advertisers so a bit of a long answer to that question but he's he's one of the first people that i saw really making the um the individual newsletter uh monetary case for like ads and stuff not like the morning brews and the hustle you know these really big newsletters that grew super fast over a million people are making hundreds of thousands of dollars in revenue a month with media or sponsors and advertisers Uh, more like the person who i'm like yeah i can kind of be there maybe you know in a few years if i keep it up as opposed to growing a whole team to get a, a whole bunch of subscribers so that's one there's a few others that come to mind I just want to stop there if you have any questions about about that at all.
2: I think the only thing I would want to point out is that like he made about 50K just from the ads, right? But probably a bunch of those links were also affiliate links or Uh the rest of the the stuff that he would be sending people to.
1: You know, for the most part, they were just actually pretty good articles that at least he didn't disclose if they were affiliate links, but a lot of them were um, just great resources on you're usually around the idea of growing an audience, improving your social media presence or growing a newsletter. Like those were kind of like the main excuse me sort of things he was sharing uh, articles on. So mm-hmm. I I think if he did ever have any affiliates they were they would probably have been in the sponsor slot. Yeah. That being said, I don't know that. I don't know that for sure. I can't I can't say that I opened every single email and checked, but yeah, he probably probably threw a few affiliates in there as well.
2: Um And then the next thing I was thinking of, and we can just be quick on it, but like, do you know what he was doing before he started growing that um, newsletter list? Because that sounds fun. (laughs) I (laughs) want to.
1: Yeah, he actually he worked in the comedy scene uh, in L. A. He's based in L. A. right now. He also worked for, I believe it was the Grammys. He ran he ran their email um, marketing. Whatever kind of program they had going on there, he ran their their email. He was in charge there for that. So he definitely had some connections in in kind of the entertainment business, and was able to really figure out kind of what worked and what didn't in there. And now he's taking all of that to his own kind of creative entrepreneur sort of uh, business model that he that he shares. So and he does he does I think twelve hundred dollar calls for people for like one hour of his time or 90 minutes of his time, I should say. And so like, he's got a lot of wisdom to share and he often helps people even just without uh, charging them. If you, you could just go on his podcast actually and uh, ask him three questions. And that's, that's the structure of his podcast is I want to know and you ask him three questions and he gives you answers. So it's, it's an interesting um, business model he's got. Cool.
2: Thank
0: you. All right. That's so cool. And so inspiring. And yeah, I mean, 50 K around that from from just ad spots but of course the people on his newsletter list are going to be interested in his one-on-one sessions or his mm-hmm. other services that he provides like there's so many tangential directions yeah. where a newsletter can help you grow
1: mm-hmm. your
0: revenue and build trust in a pretty scalable way
1: well i should mention too he and i failed to mention this. He also has courses. So, like evergreen style courses. Um, some of them are like just maybe like 10-page PDFs on guides on how to um grow your Twitter Twitter audience, for example, or on how to run a newsletter or so on and so forth, how to how to write an effective blog. And he charges them anywhere from 15 to $15. So he'll promote those as well. And every time he does, he knows he's bound to get a couple sales there as well from his you know now 20 i think he's close to 24 or 25,000 um subscribers on his list. So it's really i think having to me having a uh engaged email list is more valuable than you know 100,000 followers on Twitter or or Instagram or whatever, right? It's just there's so much more value there. I even asked Twitter the other day how many Twitter followers is one email subscriber worth? And I got quite a gamut of answers because people like, oh, you know, maybe 15 to 20. And some people were like easily 100. I'd rather have one newsletter subscriber than 100 more followers kind of thing. And so it was a really interesting uh, thought experiment, to say the least.
2: Oh yeah, you're speaking, preaching to the choir here, I'm <laughs> sure. We are all about the email and possibly shying away from the social too much because we'd love to get some people from social. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's my
0: problem is I don't put enough energy in that direction. It all goes to email and then I'm like, oh yeah, there's still ways of reaching people on these other platforms. Yeah. Um, but we've seen firsthand, we've had clients mm-hmm. with hundreds of thousands of instagram followers twitter followers who are making you know who are barely scraping by in their (laughs) business yeah so yeah i think you you make a great point there it's Mm -hmm. there it is worth a lot to have solid connected engaged subscribers
2: yeah that makes my email list look really good too, since I hardly have any Twitter followers. Like, I don't know, just like from, I was in Rye Schwartz's membership and we all followed each other. So I was like, I'll create a Twitter. But Shandi, how many Twitter followers do you have?
0: Oh my gosh, I don't know. I don't use Twitter. Yeah, exactly. But I've been thinking about starting because yeah. I think there's there's a lot of potential there. And with any medium that's primarily writing, I personally feel a lot more adept and comfortable at making it work. Like the podcast is is a comfort zone stretcher video (laughs) is a stretcher, but like putting together the, the thread, the Twitter thread style content feels like it could, it could be easy to repurpose existing content Mm -hmm. and could be a lot of fun. So I've been thinking about it, but what I need to do is unfollow everyone I currently follow because I used to have Twitter and use it for when I had a food blog mm. and I just follow all these food blogs with my whole mm. feed is food. Mm. So I don't, so don't I, love that, but...
1: <laughs> you're doing this live. I just went to uh, Shanti's Twitter feed. Yeah. And uh, she has 900 followers. Nice. So 800. She's following 1800 people. And her, the first line of her bio is Shanti sucks at Twitter. So... <laughs> I didn't even remember that. Um, some people call some people call her the quiz, quiz queen, and she hates writing in third person and is equally good at crafting delicious emails and AOLs. So, all right. He,
0: all right. So
1: That's the one funny. thing you, it's not. It's a fun bio. It doesn't really <laughs> tell me a ton about you, but it's a fun bio. And you have a link. You says you're in Vancouver Island, which I think has changed. Oh um, yeah. Yeah, uh, and it says uh, it gives your uh URL, but. One thing I thought you said that was interesting that I totally agree with is newsletters and Twitter, like that writing, newsletters are a written format. Twitter is predominantly writing, right? And so naturally, I think Twitter is is a good platform that Mm -hmm. lends itself a lot to somebody who's going to be more invested in your newsletter than, say, Instagram, where it's much more visual, now more video even focused. Um, So I found the most success... That being said, I focus the most on Twitter, but I've definitely got a, the most, the largest majority of all my subscribers have come from Twitter and from my activity there and growing, growing an audience on Twitter. And so I think there's a, like I said, that the writing on writing, it's a real natural crossover for people. And so there's um, less friction in subscribing to a newsletter when somebody's sharing it on, on a written uh, platform like Twitter.
2: Yeah. know your audience, right? Like that yeah. really similar audience. Okay. I, want to come back to uh newsletter people people's newsletters to get on to mm. I think like even if you just give us two more then I'll feel like we've like done justice to that question because we have other questions too um okay. or, or one more and yeah the morning brew I used to read that all the time until I didn't want to think about politics anymore for a mm. while um, yep. but yep. I really liked it until it felt too ads-y two. It was a little bit too, I think like Walmart sponsored a bunch of them. And I was like,
1: yeah, I'm done. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's, that's totally fair. Uh, yeah. Once you start seeing those co- corporate sponsors, I mean, good for them. Cause they're yeah. probably making a lot of money from that. So power to them, but yeah, it's uh it's a bit of a turnoff. So shoot, picking one more is going to be tough. Let me say,
0: well, I have one. I have okay. one.
1: You, that's you've impressed, impressed me. I
0: mean I have okay. lots that have impressed me because I've been going down deep into this rabbit hole too so even like milk road
1: I was just was gonna say
0: right I mean it's yeah. a massive massive newsletter at this point yeah. that was acquired right mm-hmm.
1: yeah they were acquired by actually two guys who've done a bunch of stuff and kind of the the gambling and gold bouillon space. So interesting okay. crossover, but yeah, they were sold recently. Yeah. For a lot of money. They didn't disclose how much, um, but my understanding was it wasn't as much as it could have been had the founders of milk road, not decided to stay on. They wanted to kind of like keep some ownership stake and stay on and help kind of grow it because yeah, I mean, I listened to the whole My First Million episode about it, which is really interesting when they interviewed the guys that bought them. Um, so, cool. yeah, I, I recommend checking that out. So I won't get into too much details. But, yeah, they were um, – they didn't disclose how much they sold for. I don't they think.
0: grew that newsletter in the span of a year, like hundreds of thousands yep. of subscribers.
1: Yes. Yeah. So they did the – They. they had a few – had a few advantages that a lot of people don't. They had per, uh, actual sort of digital online celebrities like Sean Perry running the show there. And if you don't know Sean, I guess the, the, the way he's best known now is being one of the two people on My First Million podcast with uh, Sam Parr who ran The Hustle. And so it was interesting to hear Sean kind of growing the milk road as a newsletter when um Sam had you know already grown and sold the hustle so he was kind of like sort of out of the newsletter game and now Sean was getting into it but what I what I found interesting was that the from an onlookers an onlooker's perspective it looks like they just grew like organically like wildfire but i what i've heard from behind the scenes is yes Sean's um persona had a lot to do with the growth but really they still spent a good amount of money getting subscribers. So they had a bu- mm-hmm. good amount of budget put aside running Facebook ads. Um, a guy by the name of Matthew McGarry, who also helped run the hustles, paid growth. He's got his own pay- newsletter, paid growth agency. And he's he's working with quite a few different clients. Uh, there's a few others you, you probably know if you looked him up that he runs uh, or has run their paid growth campaigns for their newsletters. So he, I, I met with him a, a while back, and he told me, you know, that there was, even though there was a lot of, there was a lot of good organic growth with the mill growth. They did run, they did have a budget set aside to, mm-hmm. to definitely put towards um, paid growth.
0: That's really cool. I love mm-hmm. that someone has an ads agency devoted to growing newsletters. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I can't name names yet of the the with for this new newsletter, but we're yes. definitely looking at like the. Strategic paid growth side, and I have been so getting so many ads for newsletters. You know how it is. Like once you you show intent and interest in one thing, Instagram and Facebook are like, here's two hundred (laughs) more, and just swiping these ads because. I mean it's really it's really interesting. As a copywriter and someone who specializes in helping people grow their email list using quizzes, I have long used the example of like just saying sign up for my newsletter good enough. But in many cases it is <laughs> when that newsletter is valuable and specific mm-hmm. and and the reputation around newsletters is changing as yeah. we spoke about. So we're not all, oh my gosh, what's his name? Sampar. Sampar, Sean Curry. Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, A lot of our listeners are probably like, should I start a newsletter? Who does this work best for? How do I get started? So I'd love to like pull us back to basics and Mm -hmm. really ask you who should and who maybe shouldn't start Mm -hmm. a newsletter.
1: Yeah, I think... I I wouldn't want to discourage anybody from starting a newsletter unless there's some few caveats. And actually, um, you know, this, it's funny, this come a bit of full circle. When I was on Josh Spector's podcast, I said, basically, why should you not start a newsletter? Because I wanted him to basically, you know, kind of come at me with this answer of, there's not really any reason why someone shouldn't. However, if you're like hoping for some kind of get rich quick scheme or you're not willing to actually, uh, and this ties into that answer, you're not willing to actually put in, a bit of consistency and be patient with growth. If you're not patient with those kinds of things, then you either have to spend a lot of money to grow quickly, or you're just not going to make it. So, if you're looking for those things, um, then I would avoid a newsletter. It, it's a more of a long-term play. It's a bigger time horizon. Getting email, growing an email list is super valuable. And if you have to, you know keep reminding yourself of that, you know this is like for the long haul. I'm doing this because it's important and it will one day, um, you know, I'll reap what I sow in, in putting in the time. So, really, there's there's no other reason why you shouldn't, unless you just don't like writing and you don't want to promote it. Like mm. you kind of have to do those things as well uh, to grow it. So, it like I said, if you're if you're somebody who likes talking to people um, on a podcast or just doing you know YouTube videos and that sort of thing, then maybe that's more your your realm and you want to stick with that. You don't want to do a newsletter, but I would say actually if you're doing those things and you want to build a business doing them, you should definitely have a newsletter, you know, like with that, like let people know when your podcasts are coming out or share tidbits from your podcasts. Not everybody has an hour to spend every week with you um, Mm -hmm. listening or watching your videos. So you can give them, you know, quick bites in a newsletter that they could digest a lot quicker. And then maybe that would lead them to the podcast. Like, Oh, that's really interesting. I want to listen to this whole thing. So Mm -hmm. I I think that um, even if writing isn't your jam, I think that you could still do almost a minimum viable newsletter um, mm. when you're doing other things like a podcast or a, a YouTube um, channel or um, if you're an influencer just doing like reels and you're making money from brands doing that, why not start a, po- a newsletter as well and, you know, maybe charge a little bit more and you can promote those brands in your newsletter too. It doesn't just have to be you, you know, soaking in some kind of you uh, um, natural sauna in the you know in the woods and making money doing that you could you could include that in a newsletter and my dream job and, yeah. right, right. <laughs> Wait,
2: I need that newsletter I want yeah. to start that newsletter there you <laughs> go you got, like, a hot springs and sauna's newsletter like
1: that, that'd be, that'd like be that be nice, that right for you Don
2: yeah oh. We also like haven't done hardly anything with this podcast and this is like our 43rd episode. We have an okay listenership, but it definitely makes me think that like we have enough content to put out a lot of value in a newsletter even if it was just like the entrepreneurs ecosystem newsletter mm-hmm. just focusing on like want to say back issues, but back episodes and yeah. like and the cool stuff that's come out from it. So yeah, thanks thanks for sharing. Well,
0: To speak to that, full disclosure, I was sending solo episode emails for a while and to be totally blunt with you guys, they weren't performing very well. Mm -hmm. Like the open rates were really low, the click-through rates were really low. And I was like, okay, this is not, this isn't working. It is a big ask to get people to listen to an hour to 90 minute long podcast. And so my game plan is to, create a new newsletter Mm -hmm. and really use it to provide value beyond just sharing our episodes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Sharing our episodes, but also I think one of the big reasons I love having the podcast is because we get to chat with so many cool people and Mm -hmm. there's this like partnership and relationship aspect of it that I feel like it makes running an online business so much more fun, yeah. so much more meaningful and way more effective because like so often the people we have on our podcast then share their episode with their audience and we get to just expand and and meet really cool humans. And yeah. I think that it's similar with newsletters. So to have a balance of yes, sharing our own content, but also sharing content from people who we're learning from or inspired by or who, like, put a really funny TikTok out there or whatever (laughs) it might be, right? And they, like, it's a small world. They see that. And so that's just another sort of aspect of Mm -hmm. this pillar of online success, which I really think is relationship building. Mm
1: -hmm. I like that.
2: And then I get worried about deliverability and too many links in an email and whether you should be using like the same platform to send a newsletter out as you should for your promo emails. And Mm. I don't mean to step away from the relationship building aspect. No, that's a good point. Totally. Yeah, I'm all about Mm -hmm. collaboration. I remember actually the Copywriters Club maybe a year, year and a half ago sent out a thing like, do you want all of these Do you want this newsletter because we think it might be screwing with our deliverability? And Hmm. you used to have the Sunday set list, Shanti, right? And didn't you kind of put it to bed for that same sort of reason, like not sure if people were really into it, even though you were getting lots of replies? And not sure about deliverability. So not to move away from relationships because 100% I'm here for that. But I do wonder if you have any advice or any thoughts around what could happen to your email, open rates, etc. Mm-hmm. If you have too many links.
1: I have never um, encountered personally an issue with, and I don't know, Shanti's read my newsletters. She knows how many links I've shoved in that thing, which mm-hmm. maybe isn't the best practice of best practices. Um, but I do try to include high quality links, nothing questionable mm-hmm. in any way. So I don't really have, I guess, a great answer for you on that. I don't know if a ton of links can hurt your deliverability. I would guess if they are, again, questionable links, you could get flagged especially if you re- repeatedly send those, but assuming that, you know, coming from your place of uh, where your question's coming from, I would doubt that's the case, but there are, there are, you know, different email clients will set up different kind of spam traps to ca- try to catch people who are doing those. Sorry. What was the other part of your question?
2: Yeah. What, what do you recommend basically for an email marketing platform? And if, like i got a lot of people on substack and mm-hmm. would but so my one friend's on substack she moved her 8000 person list over there and now she doesn't have anybody's names anymore like she <laughs> can't segment them in the same way yeah. right so yeah i'm like oh okay substack's cool cuz you can just get paid right like people mm-hmm. you can charge for the newsletter but if you can't segment people based on them clicking and all of that fun stuff that i'm so into yeah. then yeah, so that was my question. What would you okay. like for a platform?
1: That's a great question because a lot of people also, I had this question too when I was starting. So I think this is where that, that chat about email marketing versus newsletters really comes into play because Substack is a newsletter platform. They are mm-hmm. not an email marketing platform. So if you want to do any of that fun stuff, like custom fields, tags, automation, sequences, segmentation, all of that stuff, do not use substack. They they weren't built for that. They don't have as far as I know any intention of doing that. That's what the convert kits, the mailchimps, um, etc. of the world are for. So, if you just want to write a newsletter, you don't care about your segmenting and you want to maybe turn it into a paid newsletter at some point, Substack's a great option. They also have a really good they have a really good network effect going on where they have recommendations and you can, you know, show up in their field in their um in their discovery, uh, or their discover section as well. So like they have that going on, but if you're trying to do kind of more traditional email marketing tactics, or you have desires to personalize emails a little bit more with first name fields, for example, then I would shy away from Substack for sure.
2: Mm. Yeah. Like I like to send out an email and like, I don't, I don't market much to my list at all, but I'm like, if someone clicks this, like put that they're interested in it so I can yeah. send them another email or yeah. what have you. And I could see that working really well with the newsletter, right? Like, Absolutely. you know, I'm, I'm like, Oh, you should take my friend Shanti's course. It's how I learned everything. And then if they click it, I'll send them some more rather than like just getting more people unsubscribing subscribing or what have you. So would yeah. you recommend people having two platforms or yeah.
1: Okay. No, I wouldn't. I would, I would recommend, use one platform and use it for both of those things, but also be cognizant of the more you're promoting marketing style campaigns, email marketing style campaigns, the more that's going to kind of maybe cast a bit of a negative halo effect on your newsletter. Does that make sense? You might get more unsubscribes if you're pushing too much, if you will, but if you're giving people what they're showing that they're interested in and you do it in a, you know, an effective way, then you're you probably won't do that as badly if you're not marketing to your whole list. Just this subset of people who are like, Oh, they, sh- they clicked on Shanti's link. Maybe you send them a friendly reminder that hey, that launch is closing soon, you might want to get in before it does because you clicked on this link before I know you're interested, kind of thing. Yes, yeah.
0: So you've got your platform, let's say you've chosen your platform, what do you do next? And I think we should definitely link to your amazing free resources and free course, Dylan. But I'm curious if someone, if someone's wondering, well, what do I, what do I talk about? What should my newsletter focus on? Like, how do you coach people on discovering what that is?
1: Yeah. So there's that, I think the biggest bottleneck, if you will, for people with newsletters is that, you know, what do I write about? What's my niche? I don't have a niche or what topic do I write about? Or maybe like everybody's writing about this topic and I don't, you know, just want to be another voice in this huge sea of voices. So I think what I try to remind people is that even if, for one, if you are say an expert in, let's say, like web development or graphic design or you know, something along those lines, yes, there's you know, hundreds of thousands of graphic designers or web developers, but uh you have a unique perspective from your own unique experience, your own unique opinions. And so we all have our own. Valuable insight to share, I would say. So if you are going down that road of kind of using your, your work experience or even your life experience to write a newsletter, then there can be value there. You can teach people or people can learn from you know, mistakes you made or successes you've had. And so I I try to, I guess, advise people not to shy away from feeling like they're just another voice in a large pool. You can always inject your, you know, some personality, whether it's humor or, you know, memes or um, anything into your newsletter that kind of makes it a little bit more you, um, or you can flip it completely on its head and just start publishing, turning it into more of a, a current events or an updates about this industry. So if you're a graphic designer and you want to keep keep on top of the latest news in that field, then you can create, you know, graphic design daily or graphic design weekly and, and then, take that information that you are reading anyway and turn that into like a curated, um, email list that's, that goes out maybe daily or a couple times a week, or maybe once a week and inform people that way. I think a, a good version of uh, example of this is, um, a lady who named, uh, I believe you pronounce it Aleda, Aleda Solis, and she writes, uh, SEO FOMO. And mm-hmm. so it's just a newsletter about, it's uh, essentially a curated newsletter on kind of the top, you know, 8, 10, 12 um, things that are going on in the SEO industry, the SEO world that people should pay attention to for, you know, SEO content marketers and that sort of thing. So, and she's grown her list quite, quite uh, rapidly and her, her uh, newsletter is quite popular. So there's definitely different ways you can look at it, but I really think it comes down to knowing that, you know, your experience is unique and you can, you can start from a place of, I guess, your, your own personal experience.
0: Yeah. I love that. And even if you're compiling the latest news on a certain topic, you can still share your perspective and point. Exactly.
1: View. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think that's where there's more freedom for people who aren't necessarily in love with writing, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Because you can just share links, Totally. a little blurb on what you think about it. And people love that.
1: And you, you don't have to, you don't have to share a thousand word essay, you know, all about a certain topic. You can right. definitely, I think that's kind of how I started writing my newsletter was I saw a post from James Clear about leadership a few years ago. And I was like, oh, I, you know, I was in a leadership role at a company. I've got some ideas and thoughts around this as well, and something to add to it, or even just like writing sort of a, a contradictory or a um, contrarian sort of point of view to a popular opinion or a, a popular way of doing things. Um, not that you could necessarily base a whole newsletter on it, but like you can always take that other angular perspective because people are always interested in you know some contrarian points of view. Whether as long as they're not just for you know clicks and and uh, and all that stuff. But uh, yeah.
2: Yeah, it might be a safer place to share contrarian points of view as well uh, than Twitter. Mm. Which I, yes. don't, I don't have any opinions on Twitter. That's for sure. <laughs> it just seems it seems like people get riled up, right? Not that we do. We don't want to only speak to our like the people who already think the way that we think, but yeah, yeah, it seems like more of like a family versus like being at a symposium or something.
1: Well, I did, I did tweet the other week. I just, I was out for a run and I had this funny line pop in my head. It's it, if we was blogging is dead, start a newsletter instead. And so I was just like, ah, oh, uh, that's kind of clever. Blogging isn't dead, but you know what I mean? Like it was, it was more just to kind of a little bit of a tongue in cheek tweet. And they got quite a few, uh, quite a few replies from people who were like, this person makes, you know, $5 million a year with their blog. And I'm like, oh. I know blogging isn't dead, but it's like, let's evolve our thinking a little bit like, you know, mm-hmm. I, I just think, you know, starting a newsletter, you're, you're quicker. There's a quicker path to, I think, financial reward starting mm-hmm. a newsletter than, than a blog. And I think it's more rewarding period. So it, it's from my personal perspective that that tweet rang very true.
0: Yeah. And like, who's using RSS feeds anymore? Yeah. Keep when was the last time you subscribed to, to a blog? Blogs. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I actually know. do use blog leaven, which I fall. I like do my weekly meal prep. I go on Vlog Levin and see like all the food blogs I'm following. What are they posting? But it's always broken. Vlog <laughs> is always broken. <laughs> it never works. I'm like, okay, this is so ridiculous. <sighs> it's so much easier to just get that stuff directly in your inbox. Mm -hmm. And like, speaking of blogging, I'm really curious your thoughts on publishing your newsletters Mm -hmm. as blog posts. Mm -hmm. And is that, like, I think you do that. Kind of. Yes. Kind Kind of. of. Yeah. Thoughts on that.
1: Yeah. Thoughts on that. So the way I do it might be different than the way other people do it. So I referenced Josh Spector a few times. He does exactly that. He basically posts his newsletter on Medium, for example and almost a cut and paste. Whereas what I like to do is I try to draft a new article every week around the topic of newsletters. Um, and I will post it on Medium, I'll post it on my uh, my website. Sometimes I'll post it on Substack as well, but Substack doesn't have the um, canonical links. So you can get penalized for kind of duplicate content. Whereas Medium does have that. So SEO will ignore medium article and just focus on promoting the article on your website. But medium is a pretty big website that has a lot of readers and stuff too. So there's advantage to posting there. Um, I digress. So what, what I do is I, I post those articles as you know, article posts. And I also include us like an intro of them in my newsletter. And then I'll say, read more, click here kind of thing. Um, So I don't post the whole article in my newsletter. Otherwise it could be some of those articles are 1200 or 1500 words and they can get pretty verbose in. I don't like reading those kinds of super long emails in my inbox. I usually save them and and digest them later. So I guess my own bias is to not do that to my own newsletter, but I, I, I don't see necessarily a problem with sharing your newsletter or, or storing an archive of it somewhere but I don't necessarily think that you should be posting exactly the newsletter format copy pasted in on your website. That being said, ConvertKit, Substack, Beehive, all of these platforms do have like a newsletter feed where you can just go back and reference. Mailchimp has one as well. So every time you send an email or a newsletter um, via Mailchimp, you can share the link to that too. So people can just read it like an article online.
0: Yeah, I was just on Daily Carnage yesterday, and they're doing that. I'm like, what is the strategy behind this? Because, mm-hmm. I mean, theoretically, then, someone wouldn't need to subscribe. They could just go to the website and read the.
1: the. They could, but they wouldn't remember to, right? I feel like the, yeah. the email is that notification trigger that my new content is now live. Right. Otherwise, if you just post it, like you said, RSS feeds are kind of a thing of the past for blogs. I don't want people coming after me saying, no, they're not. They're still alive and well, Shanti <laughs> uses them, uh, <laughs> even if they're broken. But I mean, for the most part, RSS feeds for blogs a thing of the past. So it's like, well, how do you know if that person has published something new? Mm-hmm. That's where, that's mm-hmm. why, again, kind of why I tweeted what I tweeted. It was like, write a newsletter. You can still use it, repurpose it as a blog to some degree. Like the Substack does it for you automatically. And so does right. ConvertKit if you turn that feature on. So right. that's kind of my my thought around it is like that's the automatic notification to people who have subscribed to your newsletter that you have new content and also one of the main points of writing a blog is to get people onto your email <laughs> list so like just yeah. bypass that whole pain in the ass of setting up a whole newsletter or sorry setting up a whole website building out a blog structure, publishing the content, and then trying to drive people there with SEO or with promotion, and then getting them on your newsletter, just like bypass all that and just start a newsletter. It just feels so much easier, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, I'm convinced. <laughs> um, I am. I'm like, oh, oh okay. Um, I do. Okay. So you talked about like ads, and we've kind of like mentioned affiliate links. I wonder if you could just give us like a Quick or not quick, I don't mind. Uh, Lowdown on how you would monetize that because you said it's easier to monetize than a blog. Tell mm-hmm. me more.
1: Tell you more. So uh, the mon- the monetization strategies would be similar to a blog. Um, you don't have like Google AdSense necessarily newsletters, but there are more tools coming out where you could do programmatic ads in a newsletter with just a bit of code. Um, if you can add code snippets or, or embed code in your newsletter, so there's platforms like Paved dot com who allow you to do that. Um, And I believe Beehive is going to be coming out with that sooner or later in 2023, that feature where you can run programmatic ads in your newsletter. So that's low cost way of starting. You're not going to get paid a ton because you're going to get paid like 25 cents or 50 cents a click um, for those ads. So you have to have a pretty good click rate to make money from it, but that would be like the minimum easiest, I guess, low barrier way to do it from there the first way I made ads was just a few affiliate links and it wasn't like I was making a ton of money. Um, I, I mentioned ship 30 for 30. I had an affiliate link for the program. I love the program so much. It was so helpful in creating a great, um, writing habit and I created so much great content there as well that I could use going down the road. So, and it was a great community. So I was like, I'm more than happy to share this as an affiliate link in my newsletter, fully disclosed it that I was an affiliate. Um, and people got like $50 off, I made 50 bucks from a sale of that through the newsletter. So that was like the first way I monetized. But then I saw other people putting ads in the newsletter. I was like, oh, I guess I could, you know, run ads. I just didn't have any advertisers who wanted to advertise. And so I heard about this platform called Swapstack.co, Swapstack.co. And what they do is they are like a marketplace for newsletter publishers and people who want to advertise the newsletters. So they kind of join these two uh, groups of people. And you just create your newsletter profile page. It says the name of your newsletter, what kind of topics you're writing about, um, how big your newsletter is, so how many subscribers, your open rates, your average open rate, click rate, et cetera, and then what your ads would cost. And so I just kind of, so I created that account and um, within about three weeks or so, I had my first paid ad, Uh, maybe it was a month, but I had about 650 subscribers. They paid me $25 for an ad. And the money—it wasn't about the money. It was more about the validation that that you know idea was possible, that, that business model was possible. And then shortly after, other people that I had been t- chatting with on Twitter um, and had done a few Zoom calls with were like, "Oh, you do, you run ads? I'll you know I'll sponsor your newsletter. I'll buy like this." One guy was very generous, about ten spots, and paid me kind of a bulk price, a discounted bulk price for it. And so it started. I really saw the, the possibility and the potential of of creating um, kind of a little media business with, with a newsletter. And so that's, um, that's the way I still do it. Um, now I'm with the ConvertKit sponsor network and they manage all of my ads for me, which is like, I, I don't realize how awesome it is. I think until I really think about it, I don't have to do much at all. Um, and they set it all up. So it's, I'm very grateful for, for being in that program but those are kind of the main ways i would i would suggest people start with monetization the other way i talked about earlier was selling a product or service which obviously you can do but then it, it is a little bit more of a an ask to some degree to get people to you know make that make that purchase from you off site typically
2: mm. and then you have to fulfill the services which exactly I, which you get to do <laughs> of course but is uh like a lot more work can so you had said about that first dude, sorry, Josh. Yeah, Josh, mm-hmm. was, it's John in my head, that he just has like a little thing, like you wanna grow your email list, click here. And then you were talking about, what's it called? Swap stack. So this mm-hmm. swap stack, is it a button? Is it like some words that you write and then link to? And similar with Convert Kit, you're like, they just manage it for me. Are they popping yeah. them into your newsletters? Tell me everything
1: okay so yeah the the logistics of it all so uh swap stack is basically like they connect the the newsletter publisher and the advertiser and then you guys uh, you interface with each other and they give you the creative copy or maybe you charge a fee to come up with it for them um and then you put that into your newsletter basically copy paste format how you need it to to look and then they'll provide you a link usually with a utm tracking so they can figure all that stuff out and see how many leads they get from your newsletter. So that's how it works with them. They Swapstack also now has affiliate deals too. So you can just sign up for affiliate deals and run them as ads or sponsored posts in your newsletter, which is um, a real low friction way of also starting. You don't have to wait for advertisers to approve you or pay you a flat fee. So that's kind of cool. And they just launched that earn per click, which is like a cost per click, sort of like a programmatic ad feature too. So they've got... I definitely recommend checking them out they're great guys i've met with them and uh, they're they're building a pretty cool platform for newsletter publishers to be able to monetize through these various avenues with convertkit being in their sponsor network they are the ones who are basically bundling newsletters to advertisers and saying look you can reach all of these subscribers um for kind of a bundled ad price and mm-hmm. so they get these advertisers to say yeah we'll we'll come on board they'll say we're going to put you in this newsletter this newsletter and this newsletter it's going to cost you this just lump sum amount and then they basically ask they confirm with the newsletter publishers like myself that we approve of that sponsor um quite often pretty much every time i say yes sometimes there might be a situation where the there's misalignment like it just is not a good fit um, but so far they've had really good um sponsors or advertisers for my audience so mm-hmm. Once I say yes, then they send me the copy a few days later for the ad and a, a image and a link if needed. And I just plug it in myself into my newsletter in, in um, ConvertKit's um, visual editor. It's hmm. mm-hmm.
2: really cool. Yeah, you're making a case for me not to switch to ActiveCampaign. I'll let you know that much anyway.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: And, you know, going
0: down that... That particular rabbit hole recently, ConvertKit certainly does seem better for newsletters, Mm. I will say. I am a big fan of ActiveCampaign for segmentation stuff, lead scoring, funnel setup. There's lots of perks to it for email marketing, Mm -hmm. but for newsletters, it is ever so slightly a little bit jankier and just not... It, I just don't think it was built with that in mind, whereas ConvertKit really seems to be leaning into that direction.
1: Yeah, I really feel like ConvertKit, and I haven't used every email you know, provider out there, newsletter platform either, but ConvertKit seems to have a really great merge of email marketing and email automation with that kind of newsletter, creator, holistic vibe, if you will. <laughs> it like they, yeah. they just... They give you all the um, all the tools and features that you some you don't need and may never use, but they have the options for you to use them if you want to. Um, but at the very base level of it, you can create a really nice templated newsletter and just basically hit publish really really easily.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I will just say one more thing on the revenue generation side of newsletters because I find this really fascinating as someone who has been investing in paid advertising for years now on Facebook and Instagram, that there's a lot of smaller letters who, you know, you can just hit reply and be like, hey, what would it look like to have an ad spot in your newsletter? Mm -hmm. And I just got an email this morning from a copywriter, Daniel Throssel, who he just did this on someone else's newsletter and, you know, spent three grand and got a massive return subscriber wise than you would using Facebook or Instagram ads these days. So mm-hmm. he was like, I'll, I'll sell you a spot for a thousand dollars hit reply. Let me know if you're interested. And I'm like, yeah, I would <laughs> totally do that. Mm-hmm. Like it's a no brainer compared to, Facebook and Instagram ads, which like, yes, you have targeting capacities, but those are diminished now. And it's sort of a gamble. Whereas if you know that someone's email list is really engaged, full of your ideal clients and customers, that is worth it a thousand percent to spend a thousand dollars on promoting your, your freebie or whatever it is in their newsletter. So I'm really looking at that as an advertiser in like, okay, how can I make the transition from giving Mark Zuckerberg more of my money mm-hmm. and giving that money to small yeah. businesses and creators? I would I way it. rather do that.
1: Mm-hmm. And I'll add, I'll add on to what you were saying there too. Like if you think about it, these people are already reading a newsletter. Mm-hmm. So like it's just – it it's makes so much more sense than – they're not scrolling Facebook and see this mm-hmm. random ad – Um, they may not be subscribed to any newsletters and they might not even ever check their email, but maybe they just want a perk that they see in this Facebook ad. So Mm. you just have much warmer leads when you're advertising in a newsletter. And yes, I'm biased because I publish a newsletter that makes money on ads, but Mm. still it holds true. Like if you're a newsletter reader, you're probably more likely to subscribe and actually engage and open other newsletters. So it's a great, it's a great advertising vehicle.
2: Right. And I use ad blockers, Mm -hmm. um, on my social feed, but I don't know if they would catch it in my, yeah, it would be, you know, and I just, yeah. And, and it would probably not be as annoying. It wouldn't, um, (laughs) right.
1: It's not like when you go on a food blog and you see like your screen, you can't even read the text because or or any like, you know, bigger media news site. Like I, I watch a lot of sports. And so I go to sportsnet.ca to And it's like, I can't, I got to skip every like two sentences. Not that that's not the experience in in Mm -hmm. newsletter ads, Um, unless you're doing it totally wrong. That would not be, that would not be the experience. You'd have probably one ad towards the top or the top half of the newsletter. And that would be usually about it.
2: Right. And even in the daily brew, I just got like pissed off when it was like Walmart. Like I was just like, why you know this is funny I usually get like a good take on your side of what the politics are but like so it wasn't until I was like "Mm, we are just not in alignment that I was annoyed by it you know Mm
1: -mm. yeah Mm.
2: yeah well now that I've said that out
0: loud I'm really like excited to (laughs) actually actually do that and just see what happens so I think we need a part two Um, but also just love to keep this conversation going, Dylan, and fill you in on all of my lessons from when we actually launched this newsletter, which is happening really soon. So if you're game part two, let's make it happen.
1: Part two. Let's, let's, uh, organize it right as we hang up.
0: Let's Mm -hmm. do it. (laughs) All right. I'm down. I'm down. And where can our listeners learn more from you?
1: Oh, um pretty easy. I'm Growth Currency is the name of my newsletter. Um, and you can find me on Twitter at Growth Currency. And then my website is growthcurrency.net. If you Google growth currency, unfortunately Substack usually shows up first, my old Substack account. But uh, GrowthCurrency.net is where you will you'll find my website full of resources and where you can subscribe to my newsletter as well. Cool. Awesome.
2: This has been super inspiring. My favorite part is like just talking about the democratization of getting to people right from Mm -hmm. the beginning. So yeah, I'm going to say thank you and pass it over.
1: You're you're welcome. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on Dylan. And you guys, if you're interested in this topic, get on Dylan's newsletter. It is the bomb diggity. And I've been going back and reading all the older editions that I, that I missed or didn't open And every time I find so much gold.
1: So thank you so much, Dylan. Thank you. And being said uh, that my newsletter is is the bomb diggity is probably the best compliment I've ever had. So thank you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Until next time, friends. Talk soon. Whoa, look at you listening to the very end. We are so deeply grateful for you and borderline obsessed with hearing what resonated most and how you're taking the seeds planted in these conversations and sowing them in your life and business. It would mean more than you know if you would share this episode with a friend or subscribe, rate, leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Your reviews tell the algos behind the apps that we are worth pressing play on. So, please, if you're feeling generous, take two minutes to share the love. And if you are curious around what your unique advantage is in this wild and wacky online world, take the unfair advantage quiz at shandyzack.com forward slash UA quiz. And thank you again, sunshine, go light up the world and we'll see you next time.